What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are recapping the NBA action from October 31st. That's a Monday, 2022. I apologize for not getting out an episode Sunday. I was under the weather, as one might say, especially with my throat. I just wasn't feeling up to recording. It was still scratchy. kind of still is scratchy now. <clears throat> but we're going to power through. I couldn't miss another day of recording. Get an episode out, so we're here today. Seven-game slate, some interesting ones, especially over out west with the Utah Jazz, who seemingly don't want Victor Wembanyama, <laughs> despite them throwing away, not throwing away, trading. Well, essentially throwing away when you consider what they were doing before, but trading Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, one out west, one out east. It seemed like they were poised for a rebuild, but the veterans on this team had other ideas, and I guess Danny Ainge and everybody over there in Utah is fine with that. Also, since it's a new week, it should have happened yesterday, I apologize, we have power rankings. The power rankings will take into account yesterday's games, but this will be our week two power rankings. Some interesting shifts have been going on, um, especially for some of the contenders over in the East. It's not looking like Boston's going to make it this week, despite Boston having a strong start, showing that they were still going to be creaming the crop, they sort of fizzled out a little bit, especially defensively. So we'll tackle that at the end of the game recaps. But, man, NBA is great. I love seeing the different parity. Who's going who's gonna to come out on top? This week's power ranking may surprise you who got the number one spot. And we're going to get into all that and more right here, right now. All right, so the first game on our seven-game Halloween Day slate is the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Washington Wizards. This game was a win for Philadelphia, winning 118-111. Kind of a must-win game at this point, allowing them to reach the 500 mark for the first time this season. And quite frankly, it's something that they shouldn't have to have shouldn't have to do at this current point. But for Philadelphia, they were struggling early. But now they're trying to right the ship, and I think they're doing so. Even without Joel Embiid in the lineup this game, they were able to beat a pretty talented Washington Wizards squad with Bradley Beal, Kuzma, Porzingis, veterans around them. They have a solid squad, but it was Tyrese Maxey and James Harden combining for 51 points and 20 assists, the majority of the assists coming from James Harden. Excuse me for the ad. I don't understand why. Phil, excuse me, ESPN wants to have ads while I'm doing my podcast. Very rude. Come on now. But Harden, 23 points, 17 assists, 7 rebounds on the evening, 8 of 17 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3-point range. Tyrese Maxey chipped in 28 points of his own, along with 3 assists, a steal, 12 of 22 from the field, 2 of 6 
on the Washington side, we saw Chris Apps Porzingis had the team high of 32 points, 9 rebounds, 10 of 17, 3 of 7, 9 of 9. If Porzingis can produce like this on a 9-9 basis, this Washington team will be scary as a play-in threat, and potentially not even a play-in threat if he plays that well. Because you have to remember, Bradley Beal, he's the dude on this team. If Bradley Beal can get 26 tonight, and Porzingis, he doesn't have the 32-9, and nine, but... 25 and 10. Kuzma, he only had nine points last night. Three of five, shooting a quiet night for him offensively. But if they can get production from these guys on a consistent basis, this team could be a, a threat to potentially get out the play in. Maybe even as a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. That's how talented they are. Next game up on the slate the Sacramento Kings took on the Charlotte Hornets, and it was the Kings that were successful. Winning 115-108. The Kings are now 2-4 and four in the season. Hornets, 3-4. and four. And it was free agent acquisition Kevin Herter, who had the team high 26 points on 5-10 of 10 shooting from 3-point range, 8-16 of 16 from the field. Great shooting. He was a guy that, in Atlanta, he was always someone that could play off the ball next to Trey Young, spot up, score off the dribble in. He's bringing that scoring energy to Sacramento and something that they're looking like they need as of right now. Defensively, they always have been struggling, but offensively, they have some things that they they like. They have De'Aaron Fox, who injured X-ray going on. I believe it was his leg or foot, one of those, or his knee, rather. Keegan Murray only had 12 points, 515. Harrison Barnes, a guy that could score, DeMontis Sabonis, and a guy, a guy that can facilitate. Davion Mitchell as well, 23 points off the bench. For Charlotte, another game without LaMelo Ball, but when you have P.J. Washington scoring 28 points, that's a very good sign for them. Dennis Smith Jr., a guy that a lot of people kind of written off, wrote off in the league, 15, 7, and 8, 6 deals as well. 7 of 13, 1 of 5 from shooting from three point range. He really can't shoot it. But we all understand that he's still athletic. He still can play in the NBA. And it's a good pickup for them, especially with LaMelo Ball not being able to play for the foreseeable future. Next game, the Toronto Raptors took on the Atlanta Hawks, and Toronto made quick work of the Hawks. This has been an issue all year for the Hawks defensively. They allowed the Raptors to score 139 points. Atlanta only up, got up 109. That that can't happen if you're trying to be serious, a serious contender in the Eastern Conference, okay? Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., and Pascal Siakam combined for 73 points. That's not going to get it done, Atlanta, especially when they're clamping you up, only holding you to 109. That just can't Excuse me, that just can't happen. <laughs> Trey Young, only 14 points, 10 assists, 10 turnovers. He had a triple-double of turnovers, assists, and points. That's a rarity. 3 of 13, 105 for three-point range. DeJounte Murray probably had the best outing in terms of the Hawks starting five. He had 20 points, 9 assists, 4 boards, 7-15 from the field to a 4 three-point range. Justin Holliday tipped him 12 points off the bench. But it was all Toronto throughout this game, especially in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Hawks 44-29. to 
Pascal Siakam had 31, 12, and 6. Two blocks as well. Scotty Barnes had 21, 8, and 7. Playing the point guard this game, mind you. He was running point, and he showed he has the ability to play that point forward role. We all thought he had the ability to, coming out of college, being that small forward Swiss Army knife guy, but being able to play point forward, that is something interesting that the Raptors and Nick Nurse definitely will try and work on, see how far that can really take them. Because Scotty Barnes at point guard, that's that's a matchup nightmare. And Gary Trent Jr. at 21, 7-16 from the field. Overall, great team win for Toronto. A team that's going to be a tough out in the playoffs, man, because you see they have guys that can score at all every position. They have guys that can defend. They're very switchable. It's going to be tough for whoever has to play them. Next game, the Brooklyn Nets took on the Indiana Pacers, and the Brooklyn Nets were victorious in this one, 116-109. Brooklyn going at 2-5 and five on the season, while Indiana's 3-5. and five. I highly doubt anybody anticipated the Brooklyn Nets having a worse record than Indiana at this point in the season, but it is what it is. Brooklyn, for Kevin Durant, he had 36 points, 7 assists, 9 rebounds, 13 of 22, 2 of 5 three-point range, and 8 of 8 from the free throw line. Kyrie Irving tipped in 28 as well, 6 assists, 6 rebounds, 4 steals. Great all-around performance by him. Nick Claxton, 19 points, 9 boards, 4 blocks. This is what the Nets need from Nick Claxton on a night-out basis if they want any chance to reclaim their their season, essentially. Because it's, it's already derailed. I spoke on it earlier in my episode about the Brooklyn Nets after we saw Steve Nash getting fired. But in other news outside of that, Kevin Durant passes Vince Carter for 19th for the all-time scoring list. That's big. We all understand Kevin Durant's one of the best scorers in the NBA. He'll probably end up within the top 10, potentially even in the top 5 when it's all said and done. That's just how lethal of a scorer Kevin Durant has been. 19th, especially considering how old is Kevin Durant, now 33, 34, 35. I feel like that's kind of low, but again, he missed time with the injury. You have to take that into account. Considering how great of a scorer he is, you would think he's already like in the top 15, top 10. But no, 19, but he'll he'll climb his way up, I'm sure. There's no doubt about that. For Indiana, you had Chris Duarte, 30 points, 10 of 15, 5 of 10, very efficient night. Tyrese Halliburton, not as efficient. 11 points, 4 of 11 from the field, 7 turnovers, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Buddy Heald, Lakers are salivating on a chance to get him. 22 points, 8 of 16, 7 assists as well. Did a little bit of everything. The next game, the Milwaukee Bucks took on the Detroit Pistons, and Milwaukee stays undefeated, lone undefeated team in the NBA at 6-0, defeating the 2-1-6 Pistons 110-108. But this game was closer than most people thought it would be. I mean, for how great Milwaukee is, especially defensively, offensively, they aren't hitting on all cylinders yet. Maybe that's because of Chris Middleton. Maybe that's just teams have kind of figured out their play style. Of course, Giannis is going to do his thing. He had 31, seven point, I mean, me, 31, seven rebounds, two assists. But you look at elsewhere, 25 from Drew Holiday, he played solid. 10 assists along with those 25 points. 5 of 11 from three-point range. Brooke Lopez, 24-9, 10 of 16, 2 of 5. 
from three-point range, and Bobby Portis 15 and 12 off the bench. But outside of that, you're not getting anybody else double figures. Predictable offense to a certain degree. And Detroit, they climbed their way back, man. They almost did it. 31 points in the fourth to Milwaukee 22. And this Detroit team, man, two of six, but they're a scrappy team. They were they weren't really getting blown out in the games that they've lost. Cade Cunningham, 27, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Jaden Ivey, 19 and 7. Bogdan Bogdanovich, the leading scorer in the squad, 23 points, 4 rebounds. Hamadou Diallo, New York's own, <laughs> 30, I mean, excuse me, not 30, 13 points off the bench, 5 boards. This this game was close, man. They tied it with a minute left. Detroit did ultimately, the experience of the Bucks helped them put it away, but Detroit has talent, man. It's only a matter of time before they find out how to put everything together. And they'll be a scary team because they have grit, they have intensity, they have heart. And that goes a long way in the NBA. The next game, the Utah Jazz versus the Memphis Grizzlies. 121-105 victory for the Jazz. Utah is now 6-2 on the season. By far the most surprising team this year. Memphis at 4-3. A little bit of a slow start by their, their standards, but we all know they're still missing Jaron Jackson Jr., and it'll take time, but they'll they'll be towards the top of the West, I'm sure. They have too much talent, especially in their backcourt. John Morant being the main person of that of interest in that backcourt. 37 points, 12 of 18 shooting, 1 of 2 for 3-point range, 12 of 15 from the free throw line. He's a problem. He will always be a problem in the league. But someone that's been a problem this year. Has been Lowry Marketing, 31 points, 11 boards, 4 blocks for Utah. 11 of 15 shooting from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. Man, you talk about a guy that's bringing his, his career back. I mean, he originally in Chicago, right? Drafted and then going to Cleveland. He was kind of like a, a 3, sometimes he was a 4. But he never really was living up to the potential that people saw out of Arizona. Now he's averaging 23 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. And essentially a starring role for this team, showing that he still has value in the league. It remains to be seen how he can fit into a team with players that are better than him. Outside of Jordan Clarkson, he's the best player on this team from what it looks like. Colin Sexton also chipped in 15 points off the bench. Malik Beasley as well, 18. Taylor Horton Tucker of 13. This team has depth. He has depth and veteran presence. Utah's a good team. It's surprising to say. We all thought that he, they wouldn't be, but Utah is a damn good basketball team. It'll be interesting to see how far they can go towards the top of the West or even in the playoff conversation once teams start figuring things out, getting things going. Teams like the Clippers, without Kawhi Leonard, they were victorious against the Houston Rockets, 95-93. to they could have lost this game, man, if it wasn't for Paul George and his late-game heroics, showing that he could still be the number one option. Houston may have won this game, and they're definitely inferior talent-wise. Clippers have all the talent in the world. I mean, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, John Wall didn't play, but you got him, Norman Powell, Nick Batum, Terrence Mann, so many talented wings and guards on this team. 
If it's a Zubat as well, he has 16, 4 blocks, 12 boards. It's going to be tough to stop, man, on 99 out basis. But Houston was in until the end. Paul George, 35 points, 6 assists. Excuse me, 8 rebounds, 6 steals, 9. Well, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 6 steals. I can read, folks. 15 and 26 from the field, 5 and 10 for 3-point range. He had a shot to tie the game late, followed by a, a, a game winning shot essentially to take the lead in the last minute you can't ask for more than that from paul george who is the star player on the team outside of paul george a 1b to Kawhi leonard's 1a although right now he's mainly 1a because Kawhi leonard hasn't been playing when he does play he's off the bench very interesting situation with him we'll get into that more another time i'm sure once Kawhi leonard does come in plays as a starter he hasn't played as a starter yet he's always came off the bench in his games despite him see being ready to go i'm curious as to why that's happening but nonetheless we all understand Kawhi Leonard when healthy is a top player in the game top 10 talent as far as i'm concerned right now he isn't playing and the clippers only three and four in the year they're not necessarily beating teams by a healthy margin either so Looks like they'll need him back at some point to really contend like they believe they can. All right, now we are getting into the week two power rankings. Last week, we had some teams that nobody really thought, like Utah, Portland, Phoenix, Boston, Milwaukee. Four of those teams remain in the power rankings, and one team has left, and another team has taken... I'm not necessarily taking a spot, but one team is in the spot in the top five. And that team, being Boston, is out. Let's get into it. Number five, the Utah Jazz. Six and two. Surprise of the season by far. They've had some surprising and impressive wins despite having subpar talent. You look at the last two games they played against the Grizzlies, beat them two times in a row. Then you had the Nuggets, which they lost. Had a Houston win, a Houston loss. Split that. Pelicans, Nuggets, Timberwolves. Outside of the Rockets game, those opponents that they played are all playoff contenders. You can say that they're all contenders to make the Western Conference Finals. That's how talented they are. And Utah beat them. Without having a star, superstar player... Lowry Marketing, like I mentioned before, is really their top guy outside of Jordan Clarkson. Maybe one though, Mike Conley in there, maybe not, depending on how you view Mike Conley in his, this stage of his career. But Utah, man, still one of the top records in the Western Conference. And they're playing at a high level. And you can't take that away from them whatsoever. So the Utah Jazz, number five in my power rankings. Number four in my power rankings. The Portland Trailblazers. Portland is 5-1. The number one spot, tied for number one spot in the Western Conference. They're a top 10 defense as well at the top of the West. You can't knock that either. And looking at the, the opponents that they've played, they played the Kings, they played the Suns, they played the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Heat, which they lost, and the Rockets. But when you look at this team, and look at the depth that they have, the switchability that they have in terms of a guy like a Jeremy Grant, 
Josh Hart, Anthony Simons, Nurkic is a beast, of course, and you have Damian Lillard. This team looks like they can be a surprise, not necessarily a dark horse team to win it all, but definitely a team that can make it up the first round with the talent that they have, with the cohesion. And if they have Damian Lillard, you can never count him out. This team looks like they're poised to be a top six seed in the Western Conference. I think that's safe to say at this point. Although it still is early, there's plenty of time to see. But if they continue the way they're playing, top six seed in the Western Conference, no doubt about that. Portland Trailblazers are my number four team. My number three team in the NBA power rankings for week two is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are the team that has Boston on the outside looking in in the power rankings. Of course, Boston also has their own issues. It's not like I just swap them out for one another. But let's take a look at the Cavs, right? Five and one. Second best defense in the entire NBA. A top 10 offense in the NBA. And this is without Darius Garland. He's still out due to the injury he sustained opening night. They lost to the Raptors, which if they had Garland, they would have won that game. The Bulls, the Wizards, the Magic, other three teams, eh. We don't know what they'll be. The Knicks and Celtics look like they'll be playoff teams for sure. Not so sure about the Knicks, more so on the Celtics. But more importantly, they've just been stout defensively, and I think that's going to translate no matter who they play. Next game up tomorrow, they play the Celtics on ESPN at 730. I think that this Cavaliers team, they have the chance to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. They were last year until Mobley and Allen got hurt. Let's not forget that. They have relatively the same squad. They've added more offense, hence them being a top 10 offense. And when Garland comes back, he'll add to that offensive load. They can be a top five offense and defense in the same at the same time. That's a recipe for championships as far as I'm concerned. And I think you have to reward Cleveland by giving them this top three spot in the power ranking within the entire NBA. Next up, this might be a surprise. The Milwaukee Bucks are second in the power rankings. Yes, they are the lone undefeated team at six to no. They have the top defense in the NBA. But two things has them number two and not number one. First of all, the strength of schedule. They played the Rockets, who are going to be in the lottery, probably getting a top three pick. The Nets, who have been a shell of themselves, what they should be. The Knicks, that was a solid win. The Hawks, another solid win. But the Hawks can't play defense, so how much credence are you really putting into that? Detroit. That was a close one, but they pulled it out. And the Sixers, another close one, but they pulled it out. That's one reason. I just think that the quality of teams that they the Bucks have played compared to the team at the number one spot kind of has been lacking a little bit. And when you look at the team stats overall for the NBA, right? And like I mentioned before, the Jazz, I'm seeing like the Jazz, the Bucks have top defense in the entire league. Number one, holding their opponents to 103.8 points per game. That's amazing. Top defense. Their offense, however, borderline bottom third. They're they're number 19 at 112.8. Not awful, right? You can win with that, but typically, like I mentioned, 
for success, championship level success, you got to be a top 10, even top five in both categories. Right now, Milwaukee isn't doing that. Granted, Chris Middleton is still out. I'm sure he will remedy a lot of this once he comes back. But they're number two. And the reason why, when you look at number one, the Phoenix Suns were 5-1, and one, tied for the best record in the Western Conference, along with the Portland Trailblazers. They have the third-best defense, giving up 106.3 points per game. They have the second-best offense, tied for first with the Golden State Warriors at 118.7. Like I mentioned, formula for success. They have a top-five defense at number two, excuse me, number three, and top five offense. They have it tied for first. Phoenix is a well-oiled machine. They are trying to avenge that loss to Dallas. They've been great so far this season. Five and one, only loss being to the streaking Portland Trailblazers squad. Outside of that, that was a close game in itself. They could be six and L. I see Portland being the top seed in the Western Conference once more, making it to the conference finals. Potentially going to the NBA Finals. I think this is going to have to be the year if they want Chris Paul to be any sort of relevant. As his age is definitely creeping up on him. You see the stats aren't as eye-popping as they once were, even a season ago. Chris Paul's stats, especially scoring-wise, isn't where it used to be. So this is sort of his like final, I don't want to say good season, but at least as a starter and playing the starting level minutes that he is. This is probably going to be the last year of getting good production out of him before he has to go on the bench. And once that happens, it's going to be interesting to see what the Suns do. But as of right now, they're number one in my power rankings. NBA 2022 Week 2 power rankings. Utah Jazz, number five. Portland Trailblazers, number four. Cleveland Cavaliers, number three. Milwaukee Bucks, number two. Phoenix Suns. Having the third best defense, second best offense in the NBA, plus playing top talent in the Western Conference at number one. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Make sure you guys like, rate, leave a review if you guys so choose, share with family and friends. This was a great episode. I love doing power rankings. I think Phoenix is the best team in the NBA despite them not having the talent necessarily like a Giannis although Devin Booker is still amazing I think that Phoenix is a complete team it remains to be seen what Milwaukee will look like once Chris Middleton gets back honestly they might be one of the if not the best team in the NBA but credit to Phoenix getting DeAndre Ayton back sticking it out as far as they could now they have him under contract and they're trying to win a championship and Right now, they might be the favorites as far as I'm concerned. Milwaukee should still be up there, too. Boston sort of took a step back defensively. They're going to have to figure things out on that end before they can be considered contenders again. But again, it's early. It's only week two going into week three. So much time left for things to change. Until next time, guys, take care.